This is the Q&A Tech Show, coming to you live from the ThinkSpot. I am your host, Jonathan Kyle Hobson, and this show is brought to you by Quanda Entertainment. You can find Quanda on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or SoundCloud. Today's class is Shooting Like a Professional with Manual Settings. We will learn ISO, F-stop, aperture, and white balance, as well as many other settings. And again, I'm coming to you live from the Red Mountain Mesa Library here at the ThinkSpot. I broadcast here at the ThinkSpot every Thursday at 11 a.m. during and after the show. And give away the Q&A tech show. Hi everyone, I'm Sandy from um, Mesa Public Library and ThinkSpot and we welcome you today, you and any online viewers that you happen to have. Um, oh, and I'm being pointed to the camera. There you go. All right. See, this is all a learning experience. But it's great to have you here. And what we're going to do today is, um, you know, the camera, using your manual settings. Um, I just want to tell you that this is one offshoot of a lot of things. We do ThinkSpot Photo Club. And we meet one Friday a month. And we get together and do all kinds of, um, all kinds of photography. I'm getting that we're not hearing me on the mic, but that's okay. And um, so what we're going to do on November 4th is we're going to meet at Red Mountain Park at 10 o'clock and come in on the Brown Road entrance and go to the Wren uh, Ramada and then meet up and do some live shooting and then we'll compare and see what we all got. But the whole point of the ThinkSpot Photo Club is just to learn more about photography, shooting, and even equipment. Um, and I just want to thank you for being here and, and remind you that there are all kinds of programs in ThinkSpot. And so I welcome you to do that. And I'm going to give it to Kyle because I think he's ready to go. Okay. <laughs> Again, this is Shooting Like a Professional with Manual Settings. And today we're going to be talking about ISO, aperture, um, white balance, and all the manual settings on your camera. So I have my camera, which I'll be demonstrating, which will also be on the screen. And you'll be able to see as I change my settings be able to see what settings they are. I'll give some examples of some pictures I've shot and what settings I had my camera set to. I'll tell you how to do it. And I'll be about, and I'll have a little presentation. I'll go over what those settings are and be about 30 to 40 minutes. And then at the end, we'll have a Q&A time where people can ask questions. And so uh, Kevin will come to you and directly help you with your camera. You can also come up here and bring your camera up here and I will help you with it on live. Uh, I can also come to you if you're uncomfortable and there's not, and Kevin's busy helping someone. Um, and we'll also take questions from people online who have asked questions on YouTube, on social media, on Facebook, or any other uh, social media source. Uh, Kevin is also my tech helper, so he'll be adjusting things as needed if something isn't uh, working properly. Already, it's echoing. Oh, let's keep going. Um, okay, so so the higher the number with the aperture, 
the less light you're going to get. So your aperture is, um, if you see in the corner that F number, it's going to be, it's going to be the 4.0 right now. And we're, I'm going to bring that up, and we can see that my screen gets darker. And that, and so the ap aperture basically controls how far open your your iris is in the camera. So in the camera, there's this little iris, and it blocks the light, or lets more light in, or lets less light in. And the aperture controls how much light's getting in. It controls how far that ap that iris opens. And every now and then, every now and then on the screen, you'll see the aperture kind of. I'll see, you'll see an example of the aperture opening and closing. So as, as you can see here, we had different shots scrolling through here. That first one was a long exposure shot. The, that shot of the lightning, that shot of the stars, I, I could have my aperture un, set unusually low. Now, usually when you're shooting an object far away, you want your aperture higher because you get a, a bigger depth of field, definitely at night when you can't really focus. But um, Cameras have this really cool thing that I'll talk about more later, and that's focus. And you can have set, set your focus to infinity. So you can focus at the farthest object away, and it'll focus on infinity. So you don't need to set your focus. So I'll talk about more focus in, in a future slide. But with f-stop, the lower the number, the more light you let in. But you also get less focus depth. So you can't, you can't focus on as many things at once. So when your number is super low, so we have here we have a 2.8, I can unfocus and everything's blurry. Let's say I put my hand in front of my screen, you can see my hands in focus, and then you can see that my hand's out of focus. Now if I bring that number up, we're not gonna be able to see, but I can, I can make adjustments here to make the screen brighter other ways that we'll talk about further in the future. But let's say I pull, pull that ISO up to make my screen brighter. Now you can see that my hand and the background is in focus. So having that f-stop higher at 22 puts my whole depth in focus. If that number is lower, then I can see my green's getting brighter again, but my hand goes out of focus there, and we gotta bring down our brightness via the ISO here, so we can see. And we can see that my hand's out of focus now, and the last of that 3.2. So that lower that number makes your focus really shallow, um, which means that you have very little range in your focus. So it's very particular what you focus on. So for these night shots, these long exposure shots, you, if you're shooting a subject close up, you have to be able to focus on them first before you can, before you can shoot that exposure shot. But if you're shooting the stars, like we'll talk about later on, you can set your lens to infinite focus. So it doesn't matter what your f-stop is at. You can get away with having your f-stop at 2.8 and still shoot the stars. And you want 2.8 because it will let more light in. And it'll make, it'll make it so you don't have to have your shutter open as long, um, which we'll talk about shutter in a second here. So yeah, so the high-speed photography, it may be difficult to focus on the subject, so you may want a 8, 8 f-stop, you know, you can have a larger depth of focus, so you can focus better. But at the same time, for that, um, lighting might be an issue. So high-speed high -speed photography is good to take in, in bright environments. Now, as you saw there, you had like a high-speed photography of a balloon being popped. Now that one is staged. So what they did there was they had, a, they had an external flash and they had their camera and they were in a pitch black room and they had the balloon. And they coordinated it so the balloon popped at the same time that the flash went off and the camera was set on bold setting, which is a shutter speed setting, which we'll talk about more, more later on. And so it went off at the exact same time the flash went off, capturing that balloon only when the light was on it. And so 
they caught that, and that was staged. And we'll get, we can describe that more when we get to the stutter, stutter speed section. Um, and then, but high speed photography of birds, for example, you don't have the opportunity to stage it. So you need to be in bright sunlight, and you need to have your f-stop, it'd be good if you had your f-stop higher, so you had that larger depth of focus, so you don't have to spend like time trying to focus on that bird. You know, you can focus on everything at once. Uh, and then you can just snap the picture and have your shutter speed set really fast, which we'll talk about more later, and then you can get that picture. So you can see right there the different, the different settings, and you can see right now the iris getting bigger and bigger as the f-stop number changes. So that, that's kind of how the iris functions. That lower the number, the bigger it gets. Uh, so now we can go on to shutter speed here. So shutter speed, now you just saw that f-stop was the was how big that iris would open. So but the f-stop showed us, you know, the iris would open to like this size or this size or whatever, depending on how, how big that number was. Well, shutter speed is very similar. It's how long that iris stays open. So that iris is, every time you shoot a picture or a frame per second on video, that iris is opening, opening, closing, opening and closing, opening and closing. And so that shutter speed tells us how long that iris stays open. Um, so when you're shooting long exposure, it's a really good example, because if you have that iris open for 30 seconds, you're letting a lot of light in. So I can see on video, I can't open my shutter on video for 30 seconds, but I can show, I can open it up for one eighth of a second or one uh, sixty of a second. You can see my screen's getting darker and darker and darker because I'm making that shutter speed faster. And shutter speed's measured by time. So that's one five hundredth of a second right now that I have it on. And I can make it faster and faster and faster. And I may want that if I'm shooting something that's moving really quickly on video. Or if I'm shooting photography and I want to get a high speed shot of a bird flapping its wings, then I need that shutter speed as fast as I can possibly get it. Now, if I, if I go the opposite direction, I can go slower here, and I can let more light in. And um, this means that the shutter speed is opening very slowly. Now, if this is 1 of a second, I can't go any lower on film. But on photography, you can go to like 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and it will stay open for that long. Potentially, on some cameras, you can go to a minute, or you can go to any length of time on some cameras. Um, and that just means the, shutter, the iris stays open you know, a very, very long time. So when I'm shooting a picture of the stars, I set it on the tripod, I set the camera up to look at the sky, and then and then I set it for a 30-second shutter speed, the highest I can possibly go. Sometimes I don't necessarily need that, depending on maybe the city light, maybe there's a lot of light from the cities or there's a million, some light around me, more than just the stars, or maybe the stars are really bright that night. Maybe I maybe I need a 20-second shutter speed, maybe I need a you know a 15-second shutter speed. But whatever it is, it means the iris stays open longer. And that lets that light in from the stars, and so the camera can can create that nice star picture. Now, let's say I, um, and that's that's really difficult to do on film because you can't get your shutter speed open that long because your film you're shooting maybe 24 frames per second or 30 frames per second. So you have to maintain. I'll talk about I'll talk about frames per second more in the future here soon. Um. So when I'm shooting those stars, I need my shutter speed up really high, but that also causes blur. So let's say. Luckily for us, stars don't move. Well, they move, they're moving fast, but we don't perceive them as moving fast. So they're so far away that, that they, they seem like they're standing still, right? And even through the camera, they're standing still a little bit. But you'll notice that if you have your shutter speed up really high, then if, if the rotation of the Earth was moving and you had it up high enough, then you may notice a stretch of the stars. You may notice the stars get blurry because they're moving in time, right? Um, and so, like... Having a high shutter speed when you're shooting high speed photography isn't 
subject will be will be blurred. Um, so increasing that shutter speed can make motion blur. So if you want motion blur, you may want your shutter speed higher when you're shooting a car or you're shooting someone running. Uh, if you don't want that motion blur, then you want to bring your shutter speed down as low as possible. Um, I mean, as you want to bring in your shutter speed faster, so it makes it faster, right? So, so that 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 having a shutter speed at thirty seconds will cause lots of motion blur if you're just shooting, uh, you know, regular subjects. But it'll also let more light in. So right now it would it would cause everything to be like super bright and overexposed. So it's mostly for night. Um. So then, so basically, cover shutter speed. Uh, let's go on. Okay. So focus. Now focus is really important, and nowadays autofocus is pretty is pretty good. Like with other settings, I would not recommend being on auto um, because you may want particular things, you know, in your shot. But focus can still do auto pretty well. But even now, you'd want to be want to have control over that. Definitely on video because you may want to change your focus while you're recording. Um, or but on photography, of course, if you want to like focus on like a certain subject, and for some reason your autofocus isn't focusing on what you want you want to be able to control your focus manually. So a lot of lenses, they have an AF and an MF on the lens. And so some lenses, you want to make sure that you're on MF when you're doing manual focus for sure, because you can damage the lens by turning that focus when it's on AF. Um, some lenses, you won't damage it. Some lenses, you will. But either way, you won't be able to manually focus on autofocus settings, which is AF, autofocus. Um, so then, again, as you, the higher your f-stop, the more depth of focus you have, so you don't get that shallow focus. But here we see, right now, we see an example of back focus, central focus, and front focus. So you can focus on certain subjects and have where you want by changing that number. And a focus, every lens has different focus range. So you have, um, this lens, for example, has a focus range from 0 0.9 feet all the way to 6 feet, right? Um, so it's not a micro lens. It, it's not very good for shooting like close-up shots with this keyboard or close-up shots with the flowers, like you saw before. An um, example of micro, pers macro, pers sorry, macro, not micro. I always confuse those two words. Macro photography. So this isn't a really good lens for macro photography because it can only get to 0 0.9. So you can only focus on something that's 0 0.9 feet away from it, um, roughly, and that can, can change variable depending on your f-stop. But this lens right here, its lowest focus point is 0 0.4 feet. So it can focus 0 0.4 feet away. And it goes, it goes all the way up to 1.5 feet. So it can't focus as far, but it, can, but it can focus close up. So this is a macro lens. And it even has a little picture of a flower. It even tells us the macro lens of that flower picture. And so this lens can focus closer, allowing us to get shots of, of like flowers, or the shots you saw of the flowers and, and close-up shots of the insects. And also macro photography, is, it needs a lot of light as well. Um, and then macro photography, it doesn't matter about your f-stop too much because that can, that can change depending on what your, you know, you're saying with your shutter speed, it doesn't matter what your shutter speed really is on macro photography as long as it's fast enough for, you know, if you're on a tripod or handheld, you want that shutter speed so you don't get any motion blur unless that's what you're looking for is motion blur, right? So your shutter speed and f-stop vary depending on your lighting conditions and depending on how much shadow depth you want, uh, how much focus depth you want, or how much blur you want. Um, so that's, that's that. And then we can go to, okay. Okay, so ISO. 
Also, in broadcasting, I've heard ISO called GAME. Some people call ISO GAME. But ISO is basically the standard for of measurement. And it, uh, it's artificial. So it doesn't change anything on your lens. It happens all in the body of the camera. And basically, it's basically adding more power into the sensor. And the more power the camera adds into the sensor, the, the brighter the image gets. But there's side effects to this. And you're saying, oh, that's an awesome future because you can, you can increase that brightness, get that ISO, get that f-stop really high, get that shutter speed really, really fast, and then I, can, then I can just increase that ISO to get the brightness I want. But no, because ISO has like side effects. It, when it's as increasing power to that sensor, the sensor can't handle that power, then it starts adding grain to your image. And as you can see, it, I don't know if, you, if you've seen it already or if it's coming up here soon, the, I made it so the screen will get grainier and grainier and grainier. And so you'll see an example of how that grain works. Um, so like, I, on my camera, this camera is, is designed for low lighting. So it's designed to get really high ISO without having that grain. So I can get to like, I can get to like 25, 32,000 without really seeing any grain. But if I, but if I go up past 32,000, you won't, probably won't be able to see it on that small image. But if you were to like put it on, like a, take, a, take a photo and put it on a bigger screen, you may be able to see the grain, and it get, will get worse and worse and worse. Um, but I don't have I don't have to worry about grain as much. But some cameras, like like a point and shoot camera, their ISO can't really get above four hundred without seeing grain. Like a Rebel T three I, they have Rebel T three I. Their ISO I've used that before. I get above like eight hundred. Then my, my image is like has grain all over the place, has like you know noise, and as you can see right there, that's that, that's that noise, that grain that I'm talking about. It kind of causes that grain in your image, and that's caused by artificially brightening your image. But as you saw before, when I was changing my f-stop, and just now, when I have my f-stop at 22 now, I can have my and I'm inside, and there's not much light here. Well, let's say I really needed to shoot the subject, but it was in low lighting conditions. Well, then I can boost up that ISO to get that shot. So you want to change your ISO as a last resort. You want to adjust every other setting beforehand, and you only want to use ISO when there's a shot that you have to get that's just in low lighting situations where you really need to get it. But you want to try to keep your ISO at 100 or 200, and in some cameras you can get away with that at 400, maybe a little bit higher. But you want to be careful about where that is, because it'll just ruin the quality of your image. Nowadays, a lot of people like sometimes like, like that kind of look. It's like a film, more of a film look. And some people are like, um, into that kind of look, but but you want to do that in post-production. If you want that film look, I would suggest doing that in Photoshop or in editing, getting that film look in editing, um, rather than doing it with your grain. Because then you just destroy your image, you lose information. Because every time you artificially do something to your image, you're losing information. And information is key, as we'll talk about more in a second. Okay, so white balance. Okay, so every light... All these lights here have different color temperatures. Outside, different color temperature. Inside, different color temperature. And it's it's kind of like um, your goal in white balance to get that image as close to naturally white as possible. And your eyes automatically do that. Our eyes are amazing cameras, and they automatically are change, constantly changing our our color in our eyes, or constantly changing our what we look at to make it look normal, right? But the camera doesn't know what normal is. You gotta tell the camera what normal is. So, white balance, and white balance, auto white balance is actually really kind of good nowadays, but it's still good to have control over that because you may want a certain look, or you may have mixed lighting and need to change that white balance because maybe the audio didn't get it right. 
And so we can go to our white balance setting here on this camera and this little button, and it gives us white balance. Where's that button? Make sure I put it right. Okay, so on this camera, I can custom control my white balance. So I can change it to any number I want. Some cameras, you can't custom control it. Some cameras, you only have auto function. Um, but if I change my ISO down, if I bring it down to like 25,000 or 2,500, then it becomes really blue. Everything becomes really blue. And that's because right now we're under, um, you know, we have some sunlight coming in and we're under certain lighting conditions and it makes it blue. But other lighting conditions, if we go up the opposite direction to, you know, as high as you can go, like I think it's 8,000, and we can see our image gets really orange. And so the sunlight is usually around 5,200. That's all, if you're in bright sunlight, or, then that's what you ultimately want. Uh, if you're in like shade, you may want a little bit higher. If you're in shade, you may want 7,000. If you have like cloudy cover, you may want 6,000. 6, um, and if you're indoors, um, like regular tungsten light, I think it is, is like um, 3,200. Um, and then you also have like other auto settings for white balance, like we got over here. We can change to white fluorescent light, and then we can change to tungsten light. We can change to cloudy. And we can change to shade. And we can change to daylight and auto. So these are these are different functions that your camera has, and it can change to these different auto settings. Right now, I'm changing between the different auto settings that my camera has. Has, and um, <clears throat> each of these are different white balance temperatures. And again, like sunlight is like 5200. So when I do daylight auto it's probably zooming at around 5,200. If I do shade, it's probably zooming around 7,000. If I do cloudy, it's probably zooming at around 6,000. If I do tungsten, it's zooming around 3,200. And if I do um, white fluorescent, I'm not quite, I don't remember what white fluorescent is, flash, and then custom, uh, and then auto, I mean, custom, you can change it yourself and make it whatever temperature you want. So we're gonna, we're gonna find out what the ultimate temperature is for right now. So I'm bringing it down. I'm at 5,000 5, right now. I'm bringing it down. And now I'm at 37,000. That's too blue. Maybe maybe like 4,200, 4,300. What do you guys think? Right about there. Um, so that's pretty good white temperature. You know, maybe maybe a little bit higher. That's, that's a pretty good solid white. And um, you may want like a little blue in your image for certain shots. But again, I recommend not doing, not doing, doing that in post. I recommend on your camera trying to get as close to white as possible because you get the most information out of your scene and then in post, tinting it or changing the white balance in post to make it that more blue shot or that more orange shot. But on the camera, I would recommend getting as close to white as possible for every shot you do. Um, okay. Okay, so lenses. So I'm not going to get too much into this because this is a whole subject on its own, but there are like tons of lenses out there in the world, and we already talked about them a little bit, but lenses are measured by millimeters. So right here we have a 50 millimeter, on here I have a 24 millimeter, and right here's another 50, and then there, uh, the T-Spot has a, has a um, zoom lens that's like 18 to 100 and something millimeters, so it zooms in and out, it changes its millimeter length by changing the zoom. These are prime lenses, which don't change. So they're, they're 50 millimeters and only 50 millimeters. They won't change, they won't change at all. They don't go from like a, a range of lenses, one lens. 
And there is an advantage to doing Zoom versus Prime, but as you can see on that thing right there, you can see examples of different millimeters, and as it gets smaller, let's say we go to 1800, everything with film is kind of opposite. So as you get smaller with stuff, things will be opposite direction. Same with S-stop, as we got smaller, things in an opposite direction as you would think. Um, so like 18 millimeters, super wide. So if you're trying to shoot thoughts of a, of a landscape, you want as small as possible of that number as you can get. So the smaller that number you can get, the better it is for landscapes. You're shooting shots of large areas. For the sun, for the stars, as you saw with the star example, you want a lens that's like, you know, small, 18, 24 millimeters. I usually shoot with a 24 millimeter wide lens, but you may want smaller than that for star photography. Um, over here, it's a 360 camera, and we have an example of this lens is super wide. It's, a, I think, a 14 millimeter lens. So it, it, it covers literally from my finger here to my finger over here. It covers this whole 180 of this side. And, the, and another lens on the other side, and that covers a whole 180. And then it combines it to create a full 360. Um, so yeah, so and I have, a, I have a, another video on my YouTube page on 360 cameras if you want to know more about 360. But anyway, so, so then the smaller, that, the bigger that number, so if you get 85 millimeters, or 100 millimeters, that's better for macro photography. It's better for being really far away and shooting pictures of wildlife, because um, it, it magnifies the image by a ton. So if the image gets really small. Um, so if you could be really far away and shoot pictures of deer, or bear, or whatever, and or you can use it to take a picture of a flower, and you can get that, you can get that, um, you can get that really close up image. And oftentimes macro lenses also have a better they can focus at a lower length. So their focus range is, is um, larger on the low end. So they can focus at a smaller length, like this one, like example, for example, this one was uh, 0.45 feet, and this one's only 0.9 feet, so they can focus lower, focus at closer up objects, basically. So a macro <laughs> lens, a 100 millimeter lens, maybe, maybe have a focus of zero for 0.3 feet, whatever, so they're better for focusing close up. Um, <clears throat> And then as you saw there, there was, a, there was zoom versus prime. Now, with, with, with cinematography, they'll always suggest to you that you get a prime lens, at least in my circle. But in, um, in uh, photography, a zoom lens might be better. Basically, the difference is that, that prime lenses, because they don't have as much mechanics going on inside, because they don't need to change lenses, they're not having multiple lenses in there, they're usually cheaper. Uh, sorry, they're usually more expensive. Sorry, zoom lenses are usually more expensive because of that. And prime lenses, you can usually get a lower f-stop for a cheaper price. Um, and the glass is usually nicer in prime lenses. The quality of the lens is usually nicer, nicer which makes a big impact on your quality of your image, um, and so forth. So a prime lens is cheaper, lower f-stop usually, and better glass usually. Zoom lenses are usually more expensive. You can't quite get and low light, they're not designed for low lighting, you can't quite get in low lighting environments, their f-stop doesn't go as low, and they're usually not as good quality unless you get like a really expensive one, um, <clears throat> and so forth. So, okay, so frames per second. Now this first part of frames per second is not applicable in photography, you don't need to know this part in photography, but in video, you have different kinds of frames per second. Now this is, this is when, in video, you're basically shooting a shot photography shot every every um, 60 seconds, every every um, 160th of a second you're shooting a shot, or you're shooting at 120th of a second. So if you have your if you have your camera set to 60 frames per second, 
and you're shooting a photography shot, you're shooting a photo, you're shooting 60 of them within a second. Uh, if, you have your, if you have your set for 30 frames per second, then you're shooting 30 photos in a second. And film is usually around 24. So film is around 24 frames per second. Traditional film is Hollywood, shoots at 24 frames per second. But if Hollywood were to do a slow motion shot, like a really cool action slow motion shot, they might shoot their camera at 60 frames per second, or even higher, 100 frames per second. Have you ever seen a video of a slow-mo, something happening at slow-mo with video? Then it's usually their frames per second is super high. Um, so if a moving slow-mo picture, you want that frame per second like at 100 or 200, or as high as you can get. Most cameras can't get past 100. Most cameras can't get past 60. Um, most cameras, uh, cheaper cameras can't even get past 30. Um, and so that's pretty cool. And then as you saw next, next to it, when you saw already, was a time lapse. So that was me shooting photography, and basically that's a good idea of how this does it, because instead of shooting 60, 60 frames in one second, I shot a frame every 30 seconds. And then I sliced it all together to make a video, and that gave you that kind of time lapse look. That's really cool. And then you saw, you saw a time lapse of the stars, and you saw a time lapse of, of whatever. So I used, for that, you use an intro, intro volumeter. I think it's, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, info volumeter and a tripod. And you basically set that info, info infer, inter volumeter is a, a machine that you usually plug into your camera and, it, and you can remote control it, you can set the timer and it will tell your, tell your camera to auto shoot every 30 seconds. You can also do it manually yourself, but then you're touching the camera and that may cause shake, may cause your camera to shake, which may cause issues in your time lapse. Um, there's also software on a Canon that you can download to, to do it. Canon doesn't come with it automatically. You have to download it separately, and I'll talk about more about that in a future episode. It's called Magic Lantern, and it's a hack you can get for Canons that gives you more functionality that Canon originally comes with, but that gets technical. That gets too technical for this class. But but instead of buying like a three hundred dollar intervolometer, you can download free software and put it on your camera. It does void your warranty though. For Canon, so that's a good warning. Warning, it's not it's not through Canon; it's through a different third party. Okay, so resolution. So this is also really important. And when you're buying a camera, you may have noticed that some, uh, some cameras will advertise 16 mil megapixels, 24 megapixels, 10 megapixels. Megapixels are million pixels. It's a million pixels. And so they're basically saying that there's 10 million pixels in the sensor. So the sensor can capture 10 million pixels. How many pixels you can collect determine the resolution. In video, resolution is measured by 1080p, 720p, um, and then you have, you have HD, which is at 1080p, then you have right below HD, which is 720p, you have um, SD, which is standard definition, at like 480p, and then you have uh, 4K, which is like you know three thousand, which is like three thousand by whatever. And then you have two K, and um, and that's how in video they measure it. And in photography they measure it by megapixels. Because photography, because you're shooting only one image, photography can usually get to like thirty K, you know, really easily uh, as an exaggeration. But it can get really high because you're because you're because you're just shooting one shot and so it doesn't take much processing power. But video takes a lot more processing power because you're shooting every 30 seconds, you know, you're shooting, you're shooting, sorry, every 30 frames per second. And that takes a lot of processing to record that onto an SD card 
or to record that onto your device. And so if you ever have an issue with your camera and saying, stop recording, it's probably because it's overpowered, it can't handle, it can't handle shooting any longer. Um, but photography is a lot less processing intensive, so, it can, so it's measured by megapixels, and photography can usually go up really high. And I would say personally to me, 2K and 4K are kind of worthless unless you're doing a lot of editing with your video um, in post, or you're planning on showing it on an IMAX theater, or you're planning on shooting 360 photography. Um, because most screens, even a 4K screen, even if you go to the store and buy a 4K screen, it's still usually only that big, right? And 4K, we're talking like the size of this entire wall. So, so, so it's, that's what's, and you're, so if you take a 4K image and bring it down to that size, your eyes can't, can't perceive that many pixels. It's more pixels than there are in light. More pixels per square inch than there are in, in reality, basically. It's kind of like a good way to say it. Probably a little exaggerated, but there's more pixels than you, your eyes can So it's not really improve your quality. It's a waste of money, right? Um, but it does help with like um, with editing. So it gives you more information, and information is what you really need in editing. And having a higher resolution, having a higher megapixel, gives you more information. So when you're in editing, you can you can um, edit better. Uh, I read online that like with, with photography, having a 16 megapixel camera is perfectly good for printing it out, printing out your photos on paper, or showing it online. You can even get away with like a one mega, like a three megapixel camera for online for putting your photos online. Um, and so again, like having a 24 megapixel camera doesn't really matter unless you're doing a lot of Photoshop and editing, or you're planning on printing out your picture to be like this big, or you're doing something you know really huge with it on a big screen. Um, and a little bit here, we'll talk about bitrate, which is which is the amount of information inside each pixel. Um, so if we go to our next, okay. Oh, darn it. Oh, oh. It's going up. Okay, so but it doesn't matter. I didn't really have a whole lot on this one. But anyway, this this one slide is not black, but this slide is supposed to have bitrate on it. And basically, bitrate gets a little technical. But um, bitrate's really good if you're, again, doing a lot of editing of your photo or doing a lot of editing of your video. Knowing the bitrate of your camera that it shoots at, like 10 bits or 20 bits, is really important because that's how much, that's how much information is inside each pixel. Um, uh, inside each pixel is your, is your bitrate. And so um, that's really important for that. And um, <clears throat> gather my thoughts here for a second. Um, so like the higher that bitrate, it, it, it's basically saying that your sensor is capturing more information. Uh, most cameras you can't control your bitrate unless you're getting like highly professional, then you can control your bitrate, so that's why I'm not going to go into it too much. Um, but there's also like, another important thing I have on this slide that's not showing is, um, I'll go back to another slide to show that. Okay. Anyway, is your frame, is your frame size. So every camera, um, have, have like a sensor right inside of it. And this camera, for example, and your camera have what's called a cropped frame. And this camera is what's called a full frame camera. So full frame, if you think of old 35 millimeter film, that's based off of that. So this is a 35 millimeter frame inside here. So it's a 35 millimeter sensor. And that means the mirror inside is a little mirror and the light comes in and reflects off that mirror. That means that mirror is 35 millimeters by 24, if I can remember from my head. And so, and so it's a big sensor, so it captures a bigger image. 
So that means that a 50 is a 50 on this camera. So 50 is exactly 50, because these are all based off 35 millimeter film, old 35 millimeter film, like this guy. Um, and that means that the 24 in here is a 24 millimeter lens. But on a crop sensor, which actually Hollywood uses crop sensors, there's not, nothing, nothing bad about them. On a crop sensor, your mirror is smaller, so your image gets, gets cropped. So a 50 becomes an 85. Um, a 24 becomes a 50. So if, you're, so if you're looking for lenses and you know you have a crop sensor and you want a really wide image, then I would recommend getting an 18 instead of a 24. That way you have that even wider because you need to go lower than you actually think you do um, because of a crop frame. And I had more on that, but that, lens, that, that, um, that, that slide was not showing up for some reason. But, uh, and then also there's different kinds of camera. So you have, I'm demonstrating on a DSLR, um, and then there's also bridge cameras, which are like a mix between a DSR and a point-and-shoot camera. Which is like, like he has a point-and-shoot, that little small camera. That's a point-and-shoot camera. Um, and then you have your your you know your DSLR, which has a DSLR. And DSLRs are usually more expensive, but they're nicer, and they can usually shoot video as well. Um, bridge cameras usually you can't change your lenses at all. And uh, point and shoot cameras are usually a lot cheaper, and they're just like on the go. And then nowadays you have your phones, which can shoot really good camera, really good shots. But one thing about a phone versus a DSLR, and why, the reason why there's a drastic difference between them, is yeah, phones can now shoot 4K or whatever. But again, we just we just learned that 4K doesn't really matter. Phones shoot a very low bit rate, so even though they're shooting at a high resolution, their bit rate is really low, so you're not getting you're not getting that much information. So these things are good for editing. So if you want, you know, you want to do a lot of editing and you're like, oh, I'll get a, I'll get a phone that shoots 4K because it'll have that high resolution and I can edit it in Premiere. Well, yes, you can do that. Go ahead, you can do that all the time. But you're, but you don't. There's no advantage to having 4K even on a phone because you don't have that bit rate. That bit rate's really low. The sensor inside doesn't sucks. It doesn't do much. And there's also a disadvantage between like a point and shoot digital camera, purely digital, and not having any mirror because your focus is not as good. Like they have to, um, and a lot of digital cameras, they have to artificially duplicate that focus on your phone or whatever because you don't have that ability to like, you're not changing it mechanically, you're changing it digitally. And they still haven't been able to, to figure a lot of things out on a, on a digital camera. They haven't been able to duplicate a lot of those things digitally that you can do mechanically. Um, so your focus is better on a DSLR. You have more control over your focus. When you have a lens on your camera, you have more control over that focus. So like a, a iPhone can't really focus very well, you know, because of that. And um, and then also like a, um, but there are attachments you can put on your iPhone to add lenses to it and stuff like that. And that gives you a little better. Uh, but and you can shoot a movie on it. That for a really cheap, you know, a really cheap low budget movie. Go ahead, you know, it's really cool. People do it all the time on YouTube and they're really successful movies. Um, they get paid a lot, so it's really cool. And let's see here, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So now we're at uh, Q&A time. So as you can see, we do have some comments on YouTube. So right now what we'll do is we will go back and forth. We'll take a question from YouTube, then we'll take a question from the audience. And then if you have a particular, um, you might, well actually, we'll, we'll go through, is there any questions on YouTube? Or any questions on social media? Uh, I, I think the question was related to the previous Okay, yeah, so, so we'll, we'll probably go ahead and address that question. 
and then we'll go to you guys. And um, Kevin can either walk up to you and address a particular issue on your camera, or you can ask, the, if you have a particular question you think you can, I can answer without looking at the camera, then you can just ask it. Or if you want to, you can come up here, and I will address a particular issue on your camera as well. So we'll open it up to everybody. Um, Kevin, why don't you answer that question first? Uh, so the question was, how is the response on the new system that the three-sixty stops and that? So when you're shooting the three-sixty camera, it's takes a bunch of pictures and it should be able to put it together, but there's sometimes there's mismatches that you can see when you're looking around too. That like if you're paying a lot of attention to it, it gives it won't make it a good video. It just you can't catch anything else. But there'll be a line where you can kind of see it blur. Um, that was actually left over from the last video. Oh, okay. So, so, so if you want to know that, you can watch my my video on 360 video, and I'll I'll answer that question. Otherwise, we'll open it up to you guys. And I know you like all your cameras here, so I can show you how to. If you have a you know, issue with them, I can show you how to fix it. Yeah, I think I think so. I'm not. I'm. I, yeah, I think it's doing it all digitally, so it's just changing. And a lot of digital cameras, you can't even um, like point and shoots. You can, but phones, you can't really adjust those settings. So it's like, um, it's yeah, it's just changing the amount of time that the digital. It's just doing it all. Like you said, the integration time, and it's just getting those frames at different rates, um, capturing a frame at a different speed. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yep. Any other broad questions or? What do you use um, the high ISOs for the 3200 and 6400? What are they basically used for, like nighttime shooting? Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're ever doing like a news broadcast where they're going out at night and they're trying to get like a raid or film a raid, police raid, they might have their ISO really high on their camera so they can capture that live. Um, that that's kind of what it's for is is shooting in really low lighting situations. You might even use, need to use it indoors. If at 3200, if your if your indoor lighting isn't very good, you may need it at 3200, and you're trying to shoot like you know you're trying to shoot with a high f stop for whatever reason, you may need that ISO higher um, in certain situations. So yeah. So mostly you would have to use a tripod since it's so high. Yeah, yeah. If you're shooting for um, the ISO, doesn't matter how stable you are. You can be off the tripod oh, handheld. Okay. Uh, it only it only adds grain to your image. It won't add motion blur. It won't add blur. But alternatively, instead of using your IS, instead of using your ISO, if you're shooting photography, you can put your camera on a tripod and use your shutter speed instead and increase that shutter speed. Okay, so it would go to what one five hundredth or higher? Um, yeah. So so like uh, we have we have this diagram over here. I think it's um, and it showed when I've ever popped up. It showed like a diagram, and when when like a person, for example, a person running. You may want to be at like one sixtieth of a second, and then um, maybe a car moving. You may want to be at a one 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 hundredth of a second or higher. Um, and then if a subject is kind of standing still, you can get away with one fiftieth of a second. But it also depends on the angle. That's like straight on. If you're shooting them straight on, you know, and they're going by your screen like this, 
if you're at like an angle, you may want to be a little higher, a little higher shutter speed. Um, and so like a bird crossing a balloon, maybe a, maybe a hummingbird, maybe you want to be at like one one thousandth of a second. And so, catch the speed. Yeah, they catch the speed of the bird. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would make your iris go boom, boom, like that. And on a, um, and very similar to like a digital camera would do that kind of. And depending on the camera, some digital cameras might have an iris and might actually close. And then some cameras might like a phone might duplicate it digitally. The other morning I was trying to take a picture of the full moon, which was setting. But in front of me, just 15 feet was my aquaphil plant. And I wanted it clear and the moon clear. And I took like 20 pictures and neither time did I get either one clear. So I moved the ISO up mm -hmm. and just make it higher and that will make it clear, correct? Um, no, the higher the ISO will actually add more grain and noise to your image. So I would I recommend putting it on a tripod and increase your shutter speed so that you can get everything everything lit, lit up. Um, the full moon is usually a really bad subject to shoot because it's because of the sun bouncing off of it. It's so bright there isn't any contrast in the moon, so it just looks like a looks like a bright dot. But this was during daylight. Okay. So, okay. They, so it was it was probably about eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So there was plenty of sun. It was just such a full super moon out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you if you did them both in focus, it would end up being like that. Your f stop. Yeah. Yeah, but you can also use infinity focus, which I actually forgot to talk about. But on this, on certain lenses, there's a there's a point where it's called infinity focus, and what that does, and it doesn't really work on video, but it works on photography. And what it does is a lens collects the light differently, and what it does is it focuses on the furthest object away, and actually, I haven't tested it on a close object and far object, so I'm not sure how close it will work, but anything out of your focal distance will be in focus. So it focuses everything out of your focal distance. So everything past nine feet will be in focus on infinite focus. Um, so past like your, your maximum distance, things don't matter if you can't focus any further because of infinite focus, and that's what you usually use on the moon, and so it may be hard to get that in focus unless you're on, maybe it's hard to get the moon in focus unless you're on infinite focus because infinite focus is designed to get the moon in focus or designed to get stars in focus, things that are really far away. And so you may want to move that plant past your focal range so that way that plant is in focus and the moon's in focus on infinite focus. And if your lens doesn't have infinite focus, then what you do is use autofocus you would set your camera up pointing towards the moon only, and you would autofocus, and then you would lock your focus back into manual focus and not change it, and then you would put it back into position so your plant and your moon is in focus. Um, does that make sense? Okay, so, okay, so I have, um, let's see, I pull this up, I'm going to shoot this laptop right here, and I'm going to put myself on infinite focus. This isn't working on video. Uh, um, oh, I guess that's too close. But as you can see, like um, everything beyond my focal length is going to be in focus on this. Um, yeah, it's not working on video like I want it to. But on this, it. So when you're shooting the stars, start it so far away, and your focal length is only nine feet, and so you have to use this trick to get the stars in focus. So you have your infinite infinite focus, and either your lens has it a setting for it, and you can just switch to it or your autofocus can do it for you. And so you, you autofocus on the stars, and that puts, that puts your camera set to infinite focus. 
which is focusing on anything past your focal range. The focal range on this lens is 0 0.9 to 9 feet. So infinite focus will focus on anything past 9 feet. Um, so when you're shooting the moon, you would autofocus on the moon, then you would make sure you don't change that focus uh, afterwards. So autofocus might change your focus again when you reposition your camera. You may need to move your lens to manual focus at that point to prevent it from changing or lock the focus however you can lock it. Thank you. Yeah. So, then so she starts out with auto. Yeah, so. Yeah. And during the photo, when she gets it uh, focused, yeah. then she switches it to manual. Yeah, and doesn't change it. Doesn't so change that's the just focus. As much as just Flipping that little switch. Yep, exactly. Oh. And then, and then when you're on autofocus, like I can go, a little switch up here. I can clip the butt, the shutter speed halfway down on this camera, for example, and it, you can see that it's trying to focus. It's gonna have a hard time because I'm on live view mode, but it might be easier on photography. Um, and then when I clip, I'm on manual. This controls your focus up here. Usually the lens up here on a on a DSLR. On other cameras, it may be different. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so then you do that. And then I would move your plant past that focal length. So on your lens, it will tell you your focal length. length. It should say, it should say like, um, uh, okay, so you may need to look up the number for this lens, because it's not telling us, not telling us the focal length of it, the focal range. So some lenses, you, this is the default lens that comes with it, this one might have it. <laughs> your overall lighting. So a lot of times when you put your f-stop really high, because you're taking the iris and you're closing it like that, that's cutting off the amount of light that comes out. And a lot of times you have to then go back and change your um, shutter speed. And like if you look up on the screen right now on the right there, that top one, you see how it gets blacker on, as it gets bigger? Mm -hmm. And underneath it, it was talking about shutter speed. So when you pull this in like this, your shutter speed has to be slower. Um, you know, like so instead of 80, it needs to be 60, and instead of 100, it needs to be 80. So that more light comes in to make up for the fact that you're closing the, the amount of space that light can come. But when you have subjects that are, this is like, if I wanted to take a picture of Kyle and this computer and make sure they were both in focus, my f-stop, again, if you look up there, the top one, the f-stop needs to be a bigger number. Man, that's really too short of time, you know? <laughs> yeah, but the f-stop needs to be a bigger number, but then that means my shutter speed is also uh, a lower. So anytime you adjust the f-stop, you probably can also have to adjust your shutter speed. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and and that's when a tripod comes into effect because when you're increasing, when you're lowering that shutter speed to let more light in, 
you're causing more motion blur. So if you're handheld, you're going to have more you're going to have more blur in your shot if you're handheld. Um, and then uh, then your ISO can also come onto effect there. If you if you, you don't have a tripod and you're hand holding it, then maybe you can increase your ISO a little bit to get that brightness to add that light. Um, yes, is there another question? And on these on these cameras, you'd be able to see that through the live stream, correct? Yes, yes. So so when you have when you're doing photography, you can do live view, but I've noticed on some cameras when you do live view, it kind of makes it harder to autofocus and it has issues autofocusing. Um, but there is like a view. Okay, so I mean, can I use your camera? Okay, so on this camera, you can see that there's different modes there. And that's another thing I had in that last slide that didn't show up. Um, is there's a little guy running, there's a flower, there's a picture of um, a mountain range, picture of a person, there's something that says CA, and there's something that has no has a flash cut off, and there's auto. And there's also M, A, F, T, F, and P. Um, the These are all like different kinds of auto settings, except for the N, which is where your manual settings are. Now, the cool thing about today's cameras is you can go to, for example, um, the little running guy, and it will automatically do its best for fast-moving objects. So it will automatically auto, it will auto do high speed. So if you're shooting high-speed photography and you don't want to mess with your manual settings, you can set it to the guy running, and you can just start shooting, and the camera will automatically do its do whatever settings it needs to make those shots come out great. Um, with the little flower, it will it will automatically try to do things for like close-up objects on um, auto, which, which you have no control over in your settings. With a person, it will automatically do like portrait shots. It'll do the best for me to get a portrait shot of you. If you do the little like mountains, like with land, that's for landscapes. So shots that are far away, like your shot, that would be like an auto shot for that. Um, may, may not get what you want. You may want to still use manual, but it's good for like on the go. You're moving quickly. You need to get your shot. Those are good. CA is creative auto, so it will do like it'll make vivid colors. It'll increase things that you normally want to do in post. It will do on the camera. Um, so it'll increase the contrast, saturation, and so forth. Then the flash, the one with a picture of a lightning bolt with a line through it. That one, it means that there it's auto with no with no flash. So it will avoid using your flash. If you have it in any other area on auto, it may, it may, your flash may pop up. Um, and if you don't want your flash to pop up, like you're in a place with no flash photography, that's when you go to that. Um, now you, your flash is a good, a good idea if you can't, if you have it in your handheld, and again you need more light and you can't put it on a tripod, you can use that flash to get light on objects, but it only works like three feet away or something. You can't do it really on landscape shots, it won't work. And then you have, of course, auto, complete auto everything. It does its best to get, it figures out what kind of scene you're shooting and it tries its best to do it. Uh, Another thing on the flash that you should know is each camera has different things that automatically goes through. So a lot of your, uh, a lot of your lower level DSLRs and cheaper DSLRs, if you pop your flash up, it will take a picture automatically on a, on a 60, 70, or at a certain ISO. Should be aware of that in case you're in a situation where you need to have it at different settings and you want to have it. And then uh, AV is um, is aperture priority. So that makes that that makes like your 
um, it makes your aperture controllable, but everything else is auto. Um, I think you can, yeah, and everything else is auto. So it can auto controls your ISO, it auto controls your your um, shutter speed, but your f-stop, your aperture, f-stop, f-stop and aperture are the same thing, is manually controlled. Um, the TV, that one allows you to manually control your shutter, so it makes everything else auto, but your shutter. So you can you can change your shutter manually, but then the then the camera figures out every other setting. Um, so these are useful if you like just want to like do quick shots, right? If you don't have much time. And then program the P allows you to preset like a like a certain manual setting, and then you can always come back to it and pick a preset setting. And then some some cameras like mine has a one, two, three, four. Those are all presets that I can set, and then I can like come to them anytime I want, and I know that they're set one set for high speed, one set for whatever, and I can just go to it. And then the M is completely manual. This is the one that you want to spend the majority of your time on if you can, if you get comfortable with the settings and be able to change them really quickly. You understand? You want to be on manual because that allows you to control your f-stop, your flash aperture, allows you to control your shutter speed, allows you to control your ISO, which is really important to keep low. And auto will oftentimes try to boost your ISO up, and you're like, I don't want my ISO up; it'll cause grain, and it'll, you know, it's unnecessary. So that allows you to completely control all your settings. Is the M on your camera? And then some cameras, these images are different. Different. And I had a picture of a Nikon, what Nikon, what Nikon, Nikon had. On theirs, but I uh, but that slide wasn't working, so it's not available. But yeah, so on some cameras, these will, these will be different. <clears throat> and then as you can see, you have your ISO button up here. You can change your ISO there. Um, yeah, and so these are different. Did I answer the question? <laughs> okay. Oh, I forgot what question I was answering. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the different options, auto options, and you can like use a variety of them. Does anyone have a particular camera where they want me to show like, how it works and what, where the settings are on that camera? You? Okay. Do you want to come up here or do you want me to grab your camera or do you want Kevin to? Okay. Yeah. So while he's doing that, I can show people on here too. So. On this camera, this is a uh, ESO Rebel SL1. Yeah, SL1. So this, all the Rebel series are very similar. So any Rebel camera, I think she has a different camera. Um, yeah, she has a different camera. But any Rebel camera is very similar. And so on this one, you just scroll that and it changes your shutter speed. This right here. Oh, the wheel. The wheel. Oh, the wheel. So okay. if you look on the big screen here, we can scroll the wheel, and that changes your shutter speed on this camera. Um, if you want to change your f-stop, then you hold the FV key, the AV key, sorry, not FV, it's AV, oh, okay. and it changes to your f-stop, and then you scroll the same wheel. Um, so, so over here, I'm holding down the AV button, which is that button right there, hold down, and then I can move that, and it changes our f-stop. And then, um, and then you can use. You can also. I think you can move. But to change your ISO, you put that. Put the ISO button. You put the ISO right above it. Um, 
I also I don't know if you can see it on that camera, but and then that what that does is pop pops up this thing right here, and then you know it's actually a touch screen, so you can touch around yeah. and do it. Um, but then you can also change. You can also change the ISO by the wheel. With, by the wheel, yep. And then you can go to auto. You go to 100, 200, 300, and yours looks like to so only goes to like 1200. So I would only recommend it. Anything past 200 is going to give you green. It looks like. Well, I kind of um, like to use the 100. Yeah, yeah. You want to stay on 100 as long as possible. That's a good idea. So, and then you can also you apparently use these keys to move around too. Um, and then let's see. And also on cameras, you have the um, picture style, which I also was on that slide that I missed. But um, picture style is kind of what your camera has that setting, and it can do things that you normally do in editing. Right when you take the picture, so let's say you don't, you're not an editor, or you don't want to go on to Photoshop and change your picture, but you may want to add some contrast or sharpness. Or water color. Yeah, whatever. Um, picture style has some of that ability. So in your menu, which is that little button up here, menu, um, menu up there, uh, it brings up this. It brings up this menu, and uh, here you can change our picture style. And I'm not going to go over all these settings and menus because they're all different on different cameras. But let's go to the picture style because a lot of cameras, SMB DSLRs, have picture style. And even like point and shoots have it too. But there's a bunch of presets. There's like standard, auto, portrait, landscape. These are like presets that are like designed for what experts have figured out are the best for that situation. Um, but let's say like you have it on landscape right now. And whatever, and so we go. Let's go to user default, so you can customize your own. Um, yeah, here. So you click info, and it brings you into into what those settings are. So as you can see, it has. Um, oops, I forgot that I went touch screen. Um, as you can see, it has sharpness, contrast, saturation, and color tone. Uh, sharpness basically it artificially makes the image. More sharp, more in focus. Um, and that that usually don't want high because when that's high, it will make your image look very like. I'm not sure what the word for it is, but kind of fake. It'll kind of like it'll kind of like. It'll kind of like I don't I don't know what a word is, but it's not good. Uh, you want to keep that kind of like in the middle range, maybe slightly high. If you bring that down, it will start to blur your image, so it will make it look softer. Or no, it make it yeah, it'll make it look softer. You bring it down. So it'll make your so you may want to bring it down a little bit if maybe you don't want so much detail on your face maybe you maybe you have, didn't put makeup on that day or whatever and you don't want to show your face detailed um, then you could bring the sharpness down and it will soften your face bring it too far down and it'll blur your face it'll make it even blurry you get a little bit of like out of focus um, and then your the uh, um, um, The uh, contrast, um, it basically kind of it, it it darkens your shadows and brightens your brights. Um, so the camera, when it captures the image with all the information that it has, especially a camera with high bit rate, it knows what your shadows are, it knows what your highlights are, it knows what your midtones are, which is like a mix of the shadows and highlights, and it knows what your different color ranges are, you know, red, white, and blue, you know, red, red, green, and blue, and your contrast. Changes that so that the shadows are more defined and the highlights are more defined. If you bring the contrast down, then it kind of makes everything very neutral. It makes everything very like kind of washed out. 
in a way. I mean, bringing it up washes it out a lot, but I mean, bringing, sorry, bringing it down washes it out. Bringing it up will really define those darks and really define those highlights. Um, and then the uh, and then the saturation boosts your color, so that will that will make your color pop out. Um, and then your color tone kind of just makes changes the color temperature also more like a tint to it. Um, so these are usually things you want to do in post, but you can but you can use like these different options. Like if you're doing landscapes a lot, you may set it to a landscape, a portrait, or you can use standard. Um, but uh, you can also just like kind of um, uh, you know keep it neutral, which is zero zero everything, which is just doesn't do anything to your image. Um, cinematographers really love a style called CineStyle, which is kind of like the Hollywood peeps at that. And what that is, is it's really like kind of low contrast and it's very plain looking. And that's good. That's good if you're planning on editing a lot of video and doing a lot of color correction. That's a color corrector's friend. So like, it won't necessarily keep your image looking like that. You'll move it to editing and you'll edit CineStyle and add color to it, add contrast to it in post. But you don't want CineStyle if you're just shooting pictures. It'll make your image look kind of walk, kind of grayed out, kind of very neutral, very not not very won't pop. And so you may want your those up a little bit, your saturation up a little bit, make your image pop. If you bring your saturation down, it'll make your image black and white. Um, it'll make your image gray and stuff like that. So um, yeah, those are those different options there. Any other manual settings? I think the ones will take you to go over them. But yeah, is there any other uh, questions? Um, anybody I can help with specifically with their camera? Might go to. Okay, so um, we can always answer more questions at the end here when we're, when we're closing our podcast. I can, I can address each of those individual cameras as well. Um, but before we do that, I want to do like a forecast. So the Q&A Tech School, um, you know, is, is this broadcast, like broadcast online on YouTube, on Quanda Entertainment. You can look us up on Facebook or look us up on YouTube. We broadcast um, every Thursday and Friday. Thursday is usually at 11 a.m. and Friday is usually at 3 p.m., but that changes sometimes. Um, upcoming... Through the ThinkSpot, we have Final Cut Pro series where you can learn how to use Final Cut Pro here. Um, and the, those computers have them for free, but while I'm teaching the class, you get to use the laptops, um, and you, everyone gets to use this program, and you can, you can interact with me and move along with me as I teach the program. And this program is free here at the li at library. And I have three parts. If you've never used Final, Final Cut Pro, I recommend going through all three. And starting with the first one, if you skip one of them, it becomes hard, hard to catch up. Um, but those are um, Wednesday, November 2nd, Wednesday, November 9th, and Wednesday, November 15th. Um, and then, uh, then we also have, also broadcast only on live, I'm doing uh, Adobe Premiere in November. So that'll be on um, Fridays and Thursdays, and maybe one Saturday, I think, out of the week. But you can find our schedule on Facebook. And I'll be teaching Adobe Premiere, which is also free on those two computers. And it's an alternative editing software to Final Cut Pro. Uh, Adobe Premiere is available on Windows and Mac. Final Cut Pro is only on Mac. Uh, Final Cut Pro is a solid $200 and you own it. Premiere is 30, $30 to $80 a month, depending on what you're paying for. Uh, Adobe Premiere also comes with the whole Adobe suite. So next Thursday, I'll be doing an introduction to the whole Adobe bundle. Creative Cloud Bundle, we talked about the photo editing programs, their website editing programs, all the programs Adobe offers. 
And then in November, I'll be specifically focusing on Adobe Premiere Pro, which is their editing, video editing software. And then that will be on Thursdays and Fridays. I recommend that you don't you choose either to follow that one or the Final Cut Pro. Following both might confuse you. Um, even though there are similarities in the two programs, it will confuse you if you follow both. So I recommend either choosing Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere Pro. Final Cut Pro is more user-friendly, it's easier to understand, it has less complicated settings. Adobe Premiere Pro gives you more options, gives you more ability to, to change things around, um, and you can always make Final Cut Pro more competitive with plugins, but it would cost extra money. Um, and then I'm also, uh, on uh, November 1st, Tuesdays at 6 o'clock, I'm starting the Qbert show, which is when we talk about politics and social, and social issues. So we'll have like, an episode on the prison system, we'll have an episode on Trump, and we'll, have, we'll do something like that. And so I'll be live on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. Um, and then uh, I also have a uh, Business of Prison documentary series that should be coming out towards the end of November, but an official date hasn't been announced. But it'll be a web series. And it'll be basically, um, I interviewed ex-cons and ex-felons, and it will be like kind of, uh, the documentary will be an interview with them, and kind of their experience in prison, experience coming out of prison, and what they've experienced. So it's a very sad documentary. It's not for the lighthearted. Um, so, and I have a little promo that may have popped up already, I'm not sure, that's kind of cycling through. But yeah, so and then I have a end of the world, end of the world broadcast, where I, um, the, the, um, uh, have you ever seen the radio radio people around here? FM, or is it the what's the radio club called? The AM radio, so sunlight uh, amateur radio. Yep, and so I'll have a guest star from them. Oh yeah, so I'll have a guest star from them coming in for my end of the world broadcast. And end of the world broadcast will be on um, just technology at the end of the world and what happens technology. And and then and then we'll have some demonstrations on the ham radio and how that will still be functioning at the end of the world, and even the rest of the technology has kind of gone downhill probably. Um, and then I'll have uh, next week on next tomorrow on Friday I'm having the evolution of the camera. So if you want to know more about the camera, that'll be live broadcast only. So you can watch this on YouTube, and I'll be going over the history of the camera. I'll be talking about old 35 millimeter film, talking about ancient times, how the camera was invented three times throughout history, and lost many times. We're talking about a pinhole camera, a camera you can make yourself, and for Halloween I'll be talking about the ghosts on camera and stuff like that. Um, and then. Um, and then next week is Adobe Photoshop. Is there anything I'm missing? That's about it. This is all on your YouTube. Yep, this is on YouTube. And where do we look for to find you? Um, you can you can you can go to uh, you can search Quanta Entertainment on YouTube or on Facebook. Our Facebook URL is facebook.com/quantaentertainment. I also have a business card, but I can't copy it. And then um. And then, uh, you can also, we on Twitter as well.
This is the Q&A Tech Show. If you don't already know, we, um, as ThinkSpot, subscribe to something called Lynda.com. And if you're a library member, which your card is free if you live in Maricopa County, you can use Lynda.com. There are over 5,000 courses. They're online video courses. So much like Kaya was doing here with Quanta Entertainment, you're going to learn some things. You can watch them at your own pace. They're in the areas of photography, animation, marketing, business, creative design. If you're just looking up something on photography, they have a wonderful set on photography. They talk about composition and uh, portrait photography, product photography, whatever it might be. So it's an additional way to learn, and it's free with your library card and your free membership. And I also, um, I just, while I have a moment, I want to thank Quanta Entertainment and Kyle and Kevin for doing a program like this. We really greatly appreciate it. And um, did you talk about your um, upcoming ThinkSpot programs on So. You know, we're always cooking up something here, um, trying to do some great programs um, that, that make a difference for you. Thank you very much. Thank you.